everyone, and welcome back to Her Podcast. This is episode two, and I'm here with somebody so incredibly special. I am sharing with you guys one of my personal mentors, and I knew from the second I decided on the purpose of this podcast for young women to learn how to lead themselves. We are so, I think in this generation, we are so focused on leading organizations, leading our families, because there might be someone watching who says, well, I don't want to lead an organization. I'm not, you know, working outside the home, but we lead in so many different areas. We lead in our marriages, we lead in our families, but we need to learn to lead ourselves and to operate at our highest potential, our highest impact. So all of that just to introduce one of my favorite people in the world, my friend, my mentor, this is Lily Garcia. Um, and she has been, she helped me survive my 20s. I'm out of my 20s now. Wow. Can you believe it? <laughs> but Lily and I developed a really close friendship, just kind of like a mother-daughter bond. Mm -hmm. Um, when my mom passed away when I was 23 and she really helped me navigate my 20s. We would get together, we would meet in Starbucks, which is something that I will say if you are in your early 20s, especially if you're aspiring to leadership, find someone to lead you, find someone to mentor you, find someone who you can just bounce things off of and call. I can't tell you how many times I've called Lily in the middle of a leadership crisis saying, I, I don't know what to do. Like, do I reprimand this person? Do I take it easy? Is this a me problem? Is this a them problem? So last week we had episode one. It was all about the F word, offense, getting past offense so that we can really be effective in everything we're going to do in our lives. And then I asked people to tell me what they wanted to hear about on the podcast. And as soon as I decided on the topic, I immediately thought of you because people started asking me, young women started asking me about balance. Mm -hmm. How do you balance it all? How can you be a mother and a worker and a leader? And at the same time, I think most people in our generation are trying to branch out and do their own thing. So they might be working nine to five at a bank, but they have dreams of writing that book, starting that podcast, mm -hmm. um, opening that business. And so many of us are just trying to juggle all these things. And I really wanted to have you on because you were the person who first taught me. And there's been so many little things along the way that have confirmed it. But balance is a myth. It is. Nobody actually has balance. So I think I haven't decided on the title yet for today. But I think if there one of the titles could be stop trying to balance it all. Stop trying to do it all because we cannot grow everywhere at once. There's always going to be something in your life that is getting a little bit more attention, something in your life that's getting a little bit more focus. There, you know, there's a season where you might be a mother of young children. That's not going to be your most effective season right. when it comes to your entrepreneurship or your working legacy, it's not going to be your most effective. It doesn't mean that you can't also try to inch towards and move towards your purpose. But as a mom of three young children, I've seen that. And then I see that when I look at you and I see myself in the future because you have three children as well, but they're in their teens. They're getting older. And so I see that you have that time and that bandwidth to do some of the things that I wish I could do right now, but it's not my ultimate season for that right now. And I think so many young women need to hear that and need to hear it's okay that you're not balanced. It's okay that your house might not be the cleanest right now. My house is a disaster right now. <laughs> this weekend we had my son's birthday party. I also we also had the theme reveal and the ticket sales for our conference in May. I also had an event with the youth. And so in efforts to keep my children alive, be present at all these events, prepare what I was going to be speaking, 
my house is a mess and that's okay. And there was a time where I would not be able to say that on camera because I would be like, no, but my house has to be clean and my marriage has to be perfect and my kids have to be well-dressed and, and all of these things have to be happening at the same time. But um, we, we just don't have to have it all together at the same time. We don't. You know, if you really look at it, God is a God of order, right? Look at how he created the earth. There, He created the earth. At South Florida, we're different. We don't live in four seasons. But when you're up in North Carolina in the mountains, you see and every, there is a season. And every season has its death and its beauty. Every season. There is a transformation that's happening in, in those four seasons. And I believe our life is the same way. We cannot control time, Vane. If we try to control time, if you and I stood still here, time is going to continue, right? We cannot manage. We cannot control time. We can manage ourselves. We can manage what we are pouring into or not pouring into or how we're making ourselves feel over something. But we can't manage time. We can only manage our dreams, our intentionality, our bravery, you know, what we're running after. But to me, balance is, is just a myth. So what would you say to yourself however many years ago, to myself, 10, 20 years ago, getting started, having all these things, because it's crazy how I was, I was thinking about this this morning and meditating a little bit on this this morning. It's crazy how so much of your life gets done in, these, in this one and a half or two decades. It's like all of your life almost happens from 20 to 35. Yeah. You know, like it's, it's such a bit, you're accomplishing so much and so much is expected of you. So what would you say to that young woman who just doesn't, you know, has so many things to carry and it's so heavy? How, how does she order that? How does she take that mess and make it something less messy? I know it feels, going back to what you just said, 20 to 35, that's when you do everything. But really what 20 to 35 is doing is you're laying the foundation for your future. Your best years are really ahead of 40, believe it or not. But I, I, yes, but, but this I know about 20. When you're 20, you really believe you have all the time in the world. 40 is so far away that you're just like, I have so many sunsets left. So you, I wish that every girl would understand 40 will be here before you know it. So live with some intentionality because you may not see, you cannot, it's not tangible to you. But I promise you, I was just at my 25-year birthday party. It was a surprise party. I remember it was sunflowers. My sisters picked the theme. And I was just there. And now to see myself in my 40s, it's just truly what James said. Life is a vapor. So how are you making your vapor count? Do you know what you're, you're cultivating? You know, I tell young people around me all the time, your passions will lead you to your purpose. So have you taken time to think about what are you, those passions? Have you taken time to really look at and live intention, with intentionality? Because if you really looked at it, even biblically, um, there's only one you. There's something that you were created to do that nobody else was created to do. So what would get you out of bed at 5 a.m.? Because some people tell me, well, I don't know what my passions are. What would get you out of bed at 5 a.m.? What would you do if there was no paycheck attached to it? Try to find already in your 20s that purpose, that passion, and then everything else will will come into order because... There are seasons, you know, we're seasons, but 40 will be here before you know it. And I wish that 20 year olds would understand that because then we would live with a little bit more intentionality. You know, tomorrow is not promised. So what are you doing with your vapor? You know, are you really living in your greatest impact? And that's something that I help a lot of VPs and directors in, in corporate world understand. 
Are you in your greatest impact zone? Because when you are, you will live a more fulfilled life and have a greater impact. Yeah. And let's talk about that a little bit because I think that when I work with people, when I'm coaching people, when I'm teaching my course, the people that have the most trouble are the high achievers. They're the ones that have the most trouble with this concept because when somebody is a little bit lower energy, they are they're better at focus because they're saying, I'm doing this one thing. I'm writing this book or, you know, they're okay with saying I'm raising my kids. I don't need to do so many other things right now, but the high achievers, which I think a lot of those will be the ones drawn to my podcast because it's about leading yourself and then learning to lead others. The high achievers are the ones that have, they seek so much balance that they lack focus. And like you said, and you taught me this, Lily and I were just remembering this before we started the podcast. I was 23 years old. You took me to a Barnes and Noble and Lily told me, Vanessa, there are things. And I mentioned this in my book, Lead. Um, I don't say Lily's name, but I say one of my mentors took me out and said, Vanessa, there are things that you are not seeing at 30,000 feet because you are spending all your time flying at 3,000 feet. And Lily was the one who helped me see you need more volunteers. You need more people on your team because there are so many things that you are doing that you should not be doing. You know, at that time, I was doing my own filing. At that time, I was doing my own bookkeeping, and it was terrible because I'm not a bookkeeper and I don't like numbers. Your greatest impact? It's not my greatest impact. At that time, I was still leading worship, which I'm leading worship again now after a break of almost 10 years. Um, because you just, you showed me your energy is being... There, it was so much sideways energy. So can you talk to us a little bit about, first of all, about that concept of your highest area of impact? How do we find it? How do we know it? And how do we become okay with working in that highest area of impact? And also attached to that, and I know I'm giving you a lot, but attached to that, what would you say to the young woman who says, I know what my highest area of impact is, but I don't feel the freedom to do that because I just feel like there are so many other things on my plate. I, I do think a lot of the young mothers who think like, okay, yeah, that's great for Vanessa because maybe she has help, which by the way, I don't have as much as you guys think I do. Um, or that might be great for, you know, this person or that person because they can pay a nanny or they can do this, but I can't because I'm, I'm home. Like, so how do we, what are tools that we can use? What are things that we can do to operate in our highest area of impact? That's a great question. And my gosh, there's so much that's running through my mind because I really want you that's listening for this to be impactful in your life. You know, I know that her is is a, a God dream. So the very first thing that I thought was, I wrote some thoughts down, is begin with the end in mind. I, I You know, I really believe God has given us a brain and an ability to think. And often we don't think. We're reactive instead of proactive. I wish this generation of women would be more proactive and not as reactive as we have been. We, you know, we usually have to be reactive to what's happening in our society and our culture and what uh, man or business allow, or even ministry. There's a lot of glass ceilings, what they allow us, how they, how far they allow us to rise. But if we would just learn to be more proactive and think first before we acted, I think that's one of the things that we need to do. So begin with the end in mind. Where do you see yourself at 40? We don't take time to go to a lake or to a park and sit somewhere and just think about our lives we're just constantly being reactive to what society wants I, mean, I have to be in college now I have to have a job now I have to be a mom now I have to be a wife now take some time to think begin with the end in mind and then when you you have a vision and and of course include God in that vision 
of where where he sees your life because he designed you. He put dreams inside of you. He put passions and abilities inside of you. When you begin with the inner mind, then you can have some, okay, I, I this is where I'm, I'm headed. Let me put first things first here. Let me or, um, order some things. And then some questions that I always give my uh, the ladies that I'm leading uh, in corporate and in ministry is, how do I get to my greatest impact zone? To accomplish more, I know that, that you have to let go of things. In order for us to grow, uh, um, I wrote it this way, we do not grow with more yeses. We actually grow with more noes. And we think in our 20s that we grow with more yeses. We don't. We're, we're trying to be superwoman and do it all. And I know we all have a, a cape because I have a cape too. It's right here, right, in my Jeep. Um, but we don't grow with more yeses. We actually grow with more noes. Once we take time to begin with the end in mind, know what our greatest impact is, we're going to hold that with value every day. This is my greatest impact. There's going to be seasons in my life. But is this yes I'm about to give going to add to my greatest impact or is it going to subtract from my greatest impact? And, and I, I'm going I'm to tell you something so beautiful about your 40s. Look forward to your 40s because in your 40s, when you give a yes, it's a strong yes. When you give a no, you give a no with love and respect and you're, you, you're okay. Because you want the yes. You're not just... Yes. And I, one thing I've seen of women in their 40s that I love, and I think I'm getting closer to that now in my 30s, is that security to yes. be able, yes, yes, to say, I'm sorry, no. Yes. I, I can't do it. Or and, and I don't want to do it. And you'll get to a place where you already won't say I'm sorry anymore. You I'm, you're finally will get to a place, Bonnie, I promise you, and every girl listening or every leader listening. Um, and if you're a mom listening, you're, you're a leader too. The greatest leaders I've ever raised are in my home. Those are my greatest leaders, my arrows. Um, but there are a few questions that I give um, everyone from the ministry level to the moms in organi- their own organization and VPs in organizations. And one of those questions is when you know your greatest impact, which you had to take time to think through, what do you need the courage to stop doing? What do I need the courage to stop doing that's not adding to my greatest impact? Because 40 will be here before you know it. I promise you. I promise you, life is a vapor, it's a blink. I was just walking my three-year-old, seeing him on his little scooter, and now he drives off in his motorcycle at 18, and I'm like, what happened? So life is truly a vapor. So what do you need the courage to stop doing based on who you want to become? What do you need the courage to start doing so that you can cultivate your greatest impact because life is a vapor? What do you need to delegate what do you need to delegate? It's something that I always tell my leaders. What is there? There's something that you're doing that's not your greatest impact, but it's somebody around you's greatest impact, and they would be honored to do it. They would be honored. And, and it could be something that you're delegated in your home. It could be something you're delegated in your workplace, in your ministry. And, and then this, this last question for women, it's hard, but what do I need to eliminate? There are things, if you really look at your week, you know, who, um, Bill Hybels taught me this a few years ago in Chicago. He said, when you look at your week and everything you've done, because, you know, I'm, the, I'm with the planner. I block out times and everything's color-coded. I'm that girl, yes. When you look at your week, did your week reflect what you value? Wow. Did and your where you're going. And where you're going. If it doesn't reflect what you value and where you're going, you need the courage to stop doing some things. You need the courage to start doing some things. You need the courage to eliminate some things that are not your greatest impact because 40 will be here before you know it. I heard someone say, I actually don't remember who said this, but the greatest way to get something off your to-do list is not to do it. It's to just scratch it off. 
it's to just eliminate it. And that freed me when I heard it because I started looking back on my list and I still do this to this day. When I'm planning my week, I plan my week on Friday. I sit down and I at first I just write down everything that I think I need to do. You know, I look at my monthly goals. I look at my yearly goals. I'm like, what do I need to press forward on? And then I look at it again. And when I look at it again, I just start taking things off. I don't really need to do that. I don't really need to do that. And the thing that takes the longest when I'm working with people on their goals one-on-one, because I coach people on how to make goals, the thing that takes the longest usually, I, I almost never tell anybody you need to add more goals, which that's what they think. So usually they come to me and they're presenting to me goals and they're like, I know I only have nine goals, but you know, I'm, I'm really working on having more. And I look at those nine goals and I'm like, you need three less or four less yeah. because you don't have time in your week to do this. And I think that's what creates this feeling of being unbalanced. Mm-hmm. I think most people are not unbalanced. They just think they need to do so much and they don't have time to do it all. They're putting too much on their to-do list. When they can't get it done, they feel like failures. And then it's a cycle because now I'm discouraged going into the following week discouraged. But it's what you're saying. I didn't have the courage to just say no or I didn't have the insight. I love what you were saying about thinking. We put so much emphasis in our society on doing that we don't think about what we do. We don't. We don't think about the fact that um, I think um, a lot of people that I work with, one of their main goals is like, I want to read more. I want to do, you know, I want to read more books. I want to, which leaders are readers. You need to read and you need to get knowledge. But sometimes the book that they start with, I'm like, but why are you reading this (laughs) though? This has nothing to do with the rest of your goals. Oh, no, but it's a really good book. But you're wasting your time. You're just adding things on there because you think they would be good. And it reminds me so much that the example I was giving about leading worship. At the time I was leading worship, it was not my highest area of impact. So years and years ago, for those of you guys who don't know my story, my mom passed away and our church basically became void of a COO. My dad was still the CEO. He still was the visionary, but he's preaching and teaching and and traveling. And so the office and the church needed an administrator and needed an, an HR. I'm, I'm still currently the head of HR in our offices. It needed somebody in that administrative role. And that was my highest area of impact, which Lily helped me see. I didn't have the energy though to be doing everything I was doing during the week and grieving my mom, and growing as a person, and at the time I had just met who was going to become my future husband, and I was dating and being a normal person, I didn't have time to do all that and be in worship. I didn't have the bandwidth. Maybe I had the time if I would have burnt out and if I would have run myself into the ground, Mm -hmm. but I didn't have the bandwidth to do it. So I had to come to this point where I said, look, there is someone else, and I remember at the time we had a phenomenal, we had a few phenomenal worship leaders um, at the time, we had like four or five people that were just amazing. And that's what they, you can see when they were doing it. Right. That's what they were born to do. Right. While it's something that I enjoy and I love, you could see that they were in their jam when they were doing it. And I had to give them space to do that. So another a question that I ask a lot of people, since we're asking a lot of questions today, what am I doing that does not need to be me? So like you said, what can I delegate? That That's the way that I pose the question in my mind. I say, what am I doing that somebody else yes. could do just as good as me? Yes. And because of pride or just because of this feeling that I need to do everything right. myself, right. 
I'm forcing myself to do it. Yes. I call that my Debbie moment. You're, you're speaking to me because uh, of, of about a decade ago, I was serving at a mega church locally. They had about seven campuses internationally, about 12,000 attendants. I was growing with that organization. Um, I, I left corporate world to join ministry full-time in that mega church. And there was a moment, Vanessa, that I remember I was scrambling backstage. Um, our senior pastor was about to go on stage. And... I was in the in the group's pastor role in that in that season of my life, but he was asking me to go to another level because he saw in me right this greatness or this ability to go to the next level. But I was still holding on to all of this that I was doing right, and there was a moment that um, there was a woman behind me. Her name was Debbie. I won't give you her last name just in case she's listening, but Debbie is behind me and she's just so ready to go to her next level, and as. God is just working in me. He says, you know, you're in Debbie's way. She has a purpose and a calling too. And because you have not moved out of the way, you're in Debbie's way from her greatest impact. I get goosebumps right still because that moment taught me that a lot of times we won't give our, our next yes because, you know, we're, we're, we're loving what we're doing. We're comfortable. Um, we're, we're creatures of habit sometimes. And, and I, did, I couldn't see what God had for me. And if I wouldn't have said yes, number one, they grew me to be a teacher on the teaching team, the first Hispanic, Latin teacher on that team and then Debbie grew and I remember that that pastor at that time said if you really look around Lily you're having a hard time letting go but there's 12 lilies that you've grown all around you and they're dying just to take their next step so that's how God confirmed it so she that Debbie moment really taught me that not only are we supposed to continue to grow into our greatest impact but we have to let go and get out of the way because there's other lilies and Debbies that he's trying to also you know he sees the we see 3,000, 30,000. He sees the, the global, the divine plan. And she's still very much in ministry and thriving, and we're very good friends. Um, but I love that, you know, that moment. We have to get out of the way, of our own way, because God has a plan for our lives. That is amazing, Lydia. I think this is a perfect place to stop. We're going to take a five-minute break, and we'll be right back. Hey, I'm Vanessa Gracia-Cruz from Her Podcast, and I want to invite you, if you're interested in the coaching we spoke about in this episode or determining your purpose, you can head to VanessaGraciaCruz.com for a free guide on finding your purpose under resources or to learn more about my goal-setting purpose vision 2021 class. All right, so we're back, and I want to get back into this myth of balance. Not so much to talk about the myth of balance as much as talk about the opposite of it, which we've mentioned already, which is focus. Mm -hmm. When we try too hard to be balanced, mm -hmm. we end up putting a lot of things on our plate. And that's how we got around to everything we were speaking about before the break. You know, we have this idea of, okay, so when I'm doing my goals, I need to have a mom goal because if I don't have a mom goal, I'm not a good mom. And I need to have a work goal because if not, I'm not a good worker. And I need to have a home goal and I need to have a weight loss goal and I need to have <laughs> this goal because if not, then I'm just not well-rounded. I'm not well-balanced. Mm -hmm. And that desire or that this myth in our minds that we need to be well-balanced and we need to be doing it all and we need to, how do you keep it all together? A lot of people ask me, how do you do it all? How, how do you get everything done? And my usual answer is, what you don't know is that I don't do it all. You only see what I do on my Instagram. You don't mm -hmm. see the no's. Right. You don't see how many things I say, you know what? I'm not going to do that today. I can't do that. I either don't have the energy, which I think is important to recognize and have grace with ourselves as women. Mm -hmm. It's okay to simply say I'm tired. Mm -hmm. I grew up 
um, and somehow we always come back to the Latina, <laughs> the Latina <laughs> roots. Yeah. But I grew up with such a high performing, high achieving mom right. that I think a lot of us did. Whether your mom was a single mom who was able yeah. to work clean, yeah. um, never sit down. We we that grew up seeing a lot of moms never sit down. Yeah. And I think it gave us the wrong idea. Not saying that all of our moms were doing it wrong, but I think that it could have given us the wrong impression that if you sit down, it's wrong. Right. But if you don't mm-hmm. sit down, if you don't recharge, how are you going to have the energy to keep on impacting, right. to keep on going? Right. So I had to learn mm-hmm. how to have grace with myself and say, I just don't have the energy and that's okay. Mm-hmm. I, I'm just not going to reach that goal um, because I just can't. Uh, we were talking before when they were setting up all the cameras, Lily and I were, were already chatting because this is just a subject mm-hmm. we love to talk about. And I told Lily about how in my pregnancies, so I was pregnant for two years straight, right. basically. <laughs> and I realized that in my pregnancies, I mean, the first time I was growing a human, the second time I was growing two humans, my energy level is just, it goes out of Vana territory. Mm-hmm. Like I'm not even myself anymore, mm-hmm. which is okay. Yes. And I had to get a little intervention from my friend Janessa, where my friend Janessa had to sit me down and say, because one day I just came into the office and I'm like, I just... I'm getting here late. I'm wanting to leave early. I'm sick all the time. I, you know, I haven't started on this goal or on that goal. And I haven't paid as much attention to Redoma as I normally do. And I don't know what's going on with this. And I was just frustrated that I wasn't being my normal self. Mm -hmm. And Janessa had to like look me in the eye and say, you're growing a whole human. (laughs) This was with Levi because with the twins, I was a little bit better because I had learned the lesson. Mm -hmm. You're growing a whole human. Mm -hmm. You don't need to do everything you normally do. She, she looked at me again and she was like, trust me, we all understand. Because there would be days that my legs would swell and I wouldn't even be able to come to church. And right. I would beat myself up at home. Right. Like, I'm not at church. I'm not leading mm-hmm. my people. I didn't make it there. I didn't go there. And so in that same season, I was six months pregnant when my husband and I went to a conference at Elevation. Mm-hmm. And I heard Stephen Furtick say something that now I say probably three, four times a week to myself and to other people. You can't grow everywhere at once. So good. You can't grow everywhere at once. Mm -hmm. I was trying to grow in my family life, something I wasn't going to do a million times because you don't get pregnant a million times and have a million kids. Like you do it two, maybe three, maybe four Mm -hmm. if you're extra Latina, six or seven. (laughs) But even that, like in the long in the span of your life, Mm -hmm. that's that's it's a teardrop. You know, it's it's a drop. It is. Um, So. I can't grow in this huge area that is making a baby. Even now, you know, the personality of your children is formed between one to five years old. Mm -hmm. And that's, like you said, a vapor. Yeah. Five years that I have to make sure that these kids are secure Mm -hmm. and loved Mm -hmm. and Mm well-fed and have good habits and at least, you know, are on the right track in in their learning. I can't expect to be performing work-wise in this at the same level that I was when I wasn't married so when I became an executive I wasn't married Mm -hmm. I was dating my future husband and so I had all this time I lived on my own so I could come home and I could work until the sunrise and then I could you know get up and, and go again right I was I but I'm so thankful that I focused at that point that I advanced so that when I was pregnant and when I was in this season that I am now, I have something built. I have a foundation mm-hmm. built 
that I don't feel this pressure. Even still, I was pressuring myself, but mm -hmm. I learned to step back and say, you know what? I'm growing right here now. Yes. I don't need to necessarily be growing here and here and here and here mm -hmm. and here. Mm -hmm. And so that's why I love to dispel this balance myth yeah. because I think the balance myth robs us of what we really need, mm -hmm. which is intentionality and focus. Absolutely. Because without it, we're also getting frustrated mm -hmm. because when – you know, a friend like Janessa and then my friend in my head, Stephen Furtick, because we're, <laughs> you know, he, he's my mentor in my head. Yes. Um, when they say things like you can't grow everywhere at once, you don't need to do it all. That's when I can kind of click and be like, OK, let me just focus on having a healthy pregnancy. Right. Let me focus on praying for my baby. Mm -hmm. Let me focus on getting his room ready. Let me enjoy that. And then now I'm in a season where my kids are little, but I'm able to come to the office and, you know, I have my time with them, but I have my time here. When I'm here, I can focus here. Mm -hmm. And I could say, while I'm here, I'm not going to feel guilty because I gave the time that needed to be for them, I gave it to them. Mm -hmm. And the time that needed to be for this, I gave it to this. Mm -hmm. So seasons. Let's talk about focus. Mm -hmm. You know, one of my mentor friends in my head is Craig Rochelle. Mm -hmm. Love him. Um, Life Church, just like you honor Stephen. And he's taught me at a very, in my 30s, about laser focus. Hmm. You know, because you, you mentioned a few things right now, and I, and I wrote down. He, he taught me in my 30s that you cannot do it all if, and then really give to your greatest impact. He taught me that as humans, really all we can have is laser focus to maybe up to three things. Hmm. And the three things that you choose in that season, then they are attainable. They have to be sustainable. Mm. You, you have to be realistic with your time, with your bandwidth, with your resources. Because if not, you'll be just frustrated. So he taught me that early on. You know, are the goals that you're setting, are they sustainable? Are they achievable? Are they reachable? And, and then just don't have more than three, Lily. He would always say in his podcast, um, don't have more than three because you want to be able to achieve them. And then you mentioned rest as we were talking about balance and all that. And I was reminded that God rested. Hmm. He rested and he's God. Yep. And you're right. I was raised by a single courageous Puerto Rican Latin mom that was full of <laughs> zeal and went to had two jobs and school at night and she I never saw her sit at a in a sofa watch a novella. Never. Yeah. Never. She was always go 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 go. She still is. And it makes us feel guilty uh, about yes. doing it. So we do. I do I would feel guilty if I was like, "Man, you know what? I'm going to take this weekend to go to the Keys in my Jeep or go to the mountains and take a hike. You feel guilty if you go to the spa or do your nails, but God rested. And mm -hmm. the truth is, wherever you're listening to us from, this is factual because I've, I've, I have done the antithesis of this. You can't pour from an empty cup. Yes. We cannot pour from an empty cup. That's where we mm -hmm. go astray. That's where we crash. That's where we start making wrong decisions. That's where the enemy gets a foothold. Mm. We cannot pour from an empty cup. We have to take time to fill our cup. So I, I tell women, all, I ask women all the time, what replenishes you? Yes, we're running after your greatest impact. We're trying to cultivate your passions. We're trying to have that laser focus. But the, I also need you to have some a Sabbath or time to replenish, time to rest. So what replenishes you? And usually I just get this dumbfounded look like I don't. No, yeah, we don't is. even know. We don't what even know us. what it is. And for most of us, it's for some of us, it's a walk in the park. Um, some of us could be just sitting in Starbucks, people watching. Some is go to the spa and get pampered. For mm -hmm. some, it's shopping. You know, but know what replenishes you, mm -hmm. because if you know what fills your cup, then you can really live it from a place of an overflow, yeah. rather than from a place, you know, a dry death valley. You know, when I was in my postpartum season with my first baby, mm -hmm. I felt so much guilt 
in getting refreshed until finally I just kind of I had a conversation with myself and I mm -hmm. said, you need to rest. Mm -hmm. And I found that what refreshed me was the simplest, silliest thing. When my husband would come home from work, because, uh, you know, I was staying home with the baby. This was like early, early yeah. on. Yeah. I would say I need 20 minutes. And saying the words sounded like blasphemy. But I said, I need 20 minutes. No baby. No you. And I would go and I would take a bath. I would take a long 20-minute chill. Sometimes I would do nothing. I would just close my eyes, just yeah. the hot water. And it was something so simple that those 20 minutes a day, I'd come out, I'd cook dinner, I'd be good, I'd have the baby <laughs> on my head. Like, I didn't care. Yeah. I, I could take on the world. Yes. But I had to get the courage, mm -hmm. like you said, to maybe seem like a little bit of a, and, I, and I'm using air quotes if you're just listening to us, a bad mom. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's crazy because I did feel a little bit like a bad mom when I just said, I just need to rest. Like, I just need 20 minutes yeah. by myself to myself. Right. And one thing that I read um, recently, I forgot who the author was, but I read recently this expectation that we have. And so I'm throwing this in for the moms. I want to go back to the laser focus now with Lily. But I do want to mention, because this is something I've struggled with. For those of us that are moms, this expectation that we need to be like staring our kids in the face constantly, and if not, we're not quote unquote present, mm -hmm. is a new expectation. Mm -hmm. Because if you go back to biblical days, mm -hmm. in biblical days, when they had to grow their own food, take care of donkeys, you know, the woman at the well had to walk miles to go get water for her family. Mm -hmm. They weren't sitting there with their kids like, okay, you know, so how can yeah. I help you grow today? Like, <laughs> I'm sure that they spent time with their kids. I'm sure that their face wasn't always buried in their phone. But I think that we are from such a coddled generation yeah. that are, you know, we're just constantly thinking about like, but you need to be present. You need to be present. Mm -hmm. And those working moms right now, we're in the middle of a pandemic and there are working moms that are sitting there trying to get work done because they need to feed their families right. feeling guilty that their kid is over there learning yeah you know because we we think that if we're not staring each other in the face i think we have phone trauma especially yeah. millennials we <laughs> yes. were introduced to the smartphone and then we were yes. introduced to unending guilt over the smartphone yeah um where it's like if i'm on my smartphone and my kid is anywhere within the five mm. mile radius i'm a terrible mom well not necessarily i'm a mom that i work on my smartphone mm. i actually have two smartphones because <laughs> so, I have one for work and I have one for home. I'm always looking at that smartphone. That doesn't mean that I don't spend time with my kids. That doesn't right. mean that I don't know how to put it down and be present with them. But it does mean that I've learned that I don't need to be present every second of every day because mm -hmm. the virtuous woman in Proverbs 31, mm -hmm. she got up, she sold real estate, she did laundry. She didn't do all of that staring her kids in the face. Right. So I don't know why I went on, on that whole tangent, but that is something that makes mm -hmm. me like a little bit righteously angry yeah. when I see moms that are killing themselves and then feeling guilty over killing themselves yeah, because yeah. they had to work yeah yeah Gu to do guilt guilt does not come from god mm -hmm. guilt is something that the there's enemy no condemnation uses. in yeah. christ guilt is not from god and, and so i, I want to challenge you if you are going and feeling this guilt replace the guilt with grace another mm. g word replace mm. guilt with grace have grace for yourself you know, you are God's creation, beautifully and wonderfully made, made with purpose and significance, uh, trying to find your way, your greatest impact. Give yourself some grace. Replace guilt with grace. And and then um, there's there are things, I know we're talking right now to the moms, and we want to get back to laser focus. I do want to just talk to the, the, the girl that maybe is trying to find herself. Mm. You may be looking at other girls in your age group, 
and seeing that they're enjoying their 20s, they're not as laser focused or they're not as mm. intentional or, um, you know, it, it's also what we see on Instagram, you know, you post what you want to, you want others to see. But can I tell you, because I, fe- I felt a nudge to write this down for someone that is listening. Um, in your 20s, you have a lot of distractions and, and those may even be distractions of what she's doing, you know, in her garden. Focus on your garden. Yes. Um, focus on the seeds that God has given you. And, and it's okay if you have more intentionality and courage. She may be running after the trips and the, and the boy life and dating a lot and all that. And you may be thinking, you know, where's my husband or my, the person that God has created for me? Can I tell you, when you're in God's plan and you're cultivating and you're running after your purpose, he's going to bring him along. You don't have to go mm-hmm. find him. But distractions are a way that we don't, we're distracted from our main purpose. So um, I wanted to, I wrote down the words, your, your pain now so that you can play later. Mm-hmm. Your pain now. You're, you're working hard now. You're trying to find your laser focus. I honor you. Honor your brave for that. You're paying now so you can play later. Let her. She's playing now. She's going to have to mm-hmm. play later. Yep. So, um, but focus on your garden because we all have a, you know, a garden bed. And distractions can really be weeds, you know. And dating is one thing that I think is a distraction because we're always yes. constantly trying to find him. You know, we're, we're whole in God. Mm-hmm. And that's another podcast. But. Yes, <laughs> we'll, we'll definitely have Lily back for, we need that podcast. Mm-hmm. But but yes, I, I think having grace mm-hmm. is so important. Yes, yes. Grace helps yes. you say no. Mm-hmm. No helps you cultivate that focus and it just kind of goes around. Absolutely. Around in a circle. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. So important. So another thing that, that we were mentioning before we even got started was empowerment. You know, and it was before we took the break, Lily was getting into a little bit into what can we allow others to do mm-hmm. so that we're not doing it all, mm-hmm. so that we're not going crazy, and also so that we're not holding other people back from their purpose. Mm-hmm. Yeah, who's the Debbie in your life? Who's the person who, may, you might be a department leader, you might want to go and get that promotion, but you've been scared, but only when you get that promotion can somebody be promoted to your spot. And I see that so much in our church because we're a cell group church. Mm-hmm. So we have a lot of leaders and leaders mentoring others. And we, I see a lot. Um, and this is kind of, it's, it's a, an error of immaturity. I don't, I usually don't see that people do it with bad hearts, but there's a lot of, she's not ready. She's not ready. You know, there'll be mm-hmm. a leader mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. cultivating, growing other leaders and just say, she's not ready. She's not ready. She's not ready. She's not ready. And then sometimes when you force them, I, as a youth leader have forced people like, listen, that person's opening their group this week. I think they're ready. So mm-hmm. let's give them a chance. And sometimes that person flourishes. Mm-hmm. And so there are so many things that might be happening right now in your department that if you let if you just let them do it mm-hmm. um we have a new hire in our department also i have my assistant ashley that was on the on the past on the podcast mm-hmm. last week and when we brought her on i was almost afraid that i wouldn't have enough for her to do so this is something i'm still working on i've been right. working on it for 10 years and i'm still working on it because yeah. there were when we first brought her on i was like oh my first thing was i don't know if i'm going to have enough to give her when really I, we have gotten to the point where I needed her. Mm-hmm. I just needed to get to the point where I was willing to teach someone else to do the things that I was convinced only I could do. Right. And when I've let some of those things go and she's done them, she's done them all excellently. Mm-hmm. She's done them all as good as I would. Mm-hmm. But why was I so afraid to let her do them? 
T.D. Jakes um, said something one time that I, I've always remembered. He said, in your life, you always need someone above. You always need a Paul and a Timothy. Mm-hmm. Someone that you're teaching, mm-hmm. someone that you're mentoring, mm-hmm. someone that you're forming. You're not a leader if you don't have that. Right. You're not a leader if you're not leading anyone. Right. And then you need someone who's showing you, teaching you, mentoring you. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Right? Right. I, I think that so many times, you know, when you look at the questions that I, we gave at the top, what do you need the courage to stop doing, courage to start doing, courage to delegate and eliminate the delegation part we tend to as high achievers or as women we want to do it all you know we think that it's better in our hands we don't think about the debbies that are around us but it, it really leadership calls for us to be able to let go a few things you know where the, there's a team right now that I'm consulting with I see that they have a Mount Everest in front of them they have the potential to be a fortune 500 company they really do wow. But their leaders are so bogged down doing everything that mm-hmm. I've literally sat down with them a few weeks ago. And I said, you're going to have to let go some backpacks. Mm-hmm. You're going to have to transfer some of these backpacks to other people on the team if you want to make it to the top. Because I can see that you have the, the company has the essentials and the ingredients to be a Fortune 500 company to, to go all the way to Mount Everest. But you're not going to be able to go with all these backpacks. You're going to have to learn to empower and to delegate. And I think that when you use the word empower, it's easier for for people to to do that than delegate. Like delegate, no. Y- yeah, no, I don't want to let go. I want all these backpacks. What if I need mm-hmm. these seven? Mm-hmm. And really to get them on Everest, you really just need one, you know, with mm-hmm. the essentials. But it's all about the climb. So um, we have this graphic that, I, you know, I, sh- I showed them that essentially, but it's the same thing for us as women. So when we're leading others and we... We don't empower. We don't delegate. We're not only holding them back. We're being their lid. Yes. We're being their glass ceiling. Mm. How dare we be their lid, their glass ceiling? They have a place and a purpose to also unfold. And then think about your next step. So the more backpacks you can delegate and give away, it frees you up for your Mount Everest. And man, I don't know about you, but I want to see Mount Everest. Mm -hmm. I haven't reached my Mount Everest yet. I'm excited to continue to climb and to delegate. And, and delegation and empowering can look different for everyone. But this I tell you about delegating and empowering. When you do have the courage to delegate or empower, you make that person feel valued. You make that person feel seen. Because we all we all want to be seen. And and we all have a sense of that we want to matter. You know, yeah. we all come with that sense. Even people that are not of the faith in corporate. I've worked in many corporate mindsets. Uh, for 22 years, I worked in just corporate world. They want to matter, even people that don't have faith yet. Mm-hmm. It's a sense that we have as humans. So you're cultivating that sense of that they matter also, yeah. you know, and that's important. And one thing I want to mention to those leaders who are running nonprofits or a startup, yes. you don't need money to right. train someone no. or to empower someone. You taught me that mm-hmm. because at the beginning mm-hmm. I had, you know, at the beginning I had zero budget. I was the mm-hmm. only person on staff here. <laughs> Since then, my department has grown to, to a few different people. But mm-hmm. you you taught me, you have a, a phrase, you said, go for the ask. Yes. yes. Go for the ask. Yes. Lily taught me how many people... They're just, they just want experience. Right. You know, they don't need to quit their nine to five for right. you to meet with them at a Barnes and Noble right. afterwards and say, hey, do you want to learn with me right. to do what I'm doing? I don't know it all. Right. You know, my very first mission strip with Clothe the Girl, Clothe the Girls, my nonprofit, I did not pay any of those people. They all paid their own way. Mm-hmm. They they sewed and they not only paid their own way, their mm-hmm. plane ticket, their stay, mm-hmm. they helped me buy the backpacks and yeah. the things that we gave to the children mm-hmm. because 
they want everybody wants to reach their their impact also Absolutely. and some people have dreams and values that go along with yours so mm-hmm. why not, why wouldn't they link up with right, you right. you know i i didn't have to and that's something that i was very confused about at first because mm-hmm. i thought well i can't hire anybody so that's nice for you know at the time yeah. you were able to hire people at oasis and yeah. i wasn't in a position where i could hire people at my right. job so at first i was like well you know lily gets to hire people you know that's yeah. great <laughs> but I started with volunteers. Mm -hmm. I I started simply asking people, you know, or simply telling people, hey, you know what I do. You see Mm -hmm. what I do. Do you want me to teach you how to do it? Okay, well, the best way to learn is for you to help me do it. Mm -hmm. You know, the best way to learn is for (laughs) you to come alongside me and little by little, you know. And in that, people were able to learn what I do by doing some of the tasks that I no longer needed to do. Mm -hmm. And we were talking before this, even I saw my mom do that with us. So moms that are listening, that your kids are getting older, you know, obviously my kids are still under two. Well, my baby just turned two, so I don't have three under two anymore. Now I have three under three. But my kids are still young enough where maybe they can't do so many chores. I I do try to teach him, you know, some Montessori uh, chores and things like that. But um, but my mom got to the point where, you know, my little brother Jay was still maybe six or seven. I was in my teens. My my middle brother and sister were in between where she said, you know what? I cannot do all the housework anymore. So I remember she gave me two days to cook. She gave, you know, I was cooking two times a week. And my mm-hmm. when I was 15, 16, my other sister was washing the dishes, doing laundry. My little brother had a chore. Every Everybody had their chore. And I think that's something that moms need to learn as well, that mm-hmm. we are only going to be able to reach our highest area of impact when we empower our children. And when we empower our children, it's good for them. They grow. They grow. They grow, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, that's so important because the greatest leaders we will ever grow are in our home. Again, mm-hmm. you know, I said that before. Um, Craig Rochelle, one of my faraway mentors that I've mentioned, says when you see potential in someone, even if it's just – 50% potential, but you see that they have it yes. and you can cultivate them and they have that upward momentum. He just said this in a podcast um, a few episodes ago. He said, delegate, empower them, mm-hmm. even if they have 50% potential, because you just never know what God will do with that little 50% and the upward moment- momentum. And same with our kids. They want to feel like they're contributing to the house. I have a 10-year-old and he loves when he looks at our chalkboard and he says, oh, yesterday he was like, mom, what are my chores for the week? water the plants and vacuum around the bird areas you know because a lot of seeds he, he goes i did my two chores he checked them off the board he was happy <laughs> he was modeling for the other ones who still haven't done their part <laughs> but um it grows them it makes them feel ownership in that house you know that they're they're part of it and the same thing with the people that god's going to bring around you i had a leader this morning very very early um just doubt settled in creeped in this morning right um, as she went into her office she was doubting. She has a, lo- a big organization. It's a $20 million organization on her shoulders. They started in a garage, and doubt was creeping in this morning. And I had to just take a moment and pause and remind her as I prayed with her, God has put everything inside of you that you need to bring this vision forward to fruition. The mm-hmm. enemy uses doubt. He does. Yes. He uses doubt to hold us back, to paralyze us. He fills us with fear. And I, t- I told you, you have to take out your sword and just be reminded of who you are to God whose you are and everything that he the vision that he gave you when you were 25 now you're 45 it's the same vision he's the same god so just rise up in that vision you know when doubt settles in and and then the other d word that i wrote down is you know a lot of people ask me they said they ask how you know i have a vision i have all these things that i'm managing uh, i'm doing the empowering 
I'm, but I'm still not close to where I feel my life should be. What's that one missing ingredient? And, and I will tell you that it's truly just the other D word, which is discipline. Mm-hmm. It's really just discipline. Yeah. And it starts with small disciplines. It's not even big commitment discipline. It's just small disciplines will lead us. You know, Craig says it. Discipline is the bridge between who I am today, who Lily is today, and who Lily wants to be yes. when she reaches that, that next summit to her Mount Everest discipline so where do you need to be disciplined in your in your life when you look at your life when you look at your your day yesterday where did you invest most time mm-hmm. what, what took most of your time and and did it bring any value to where your greatest impact is did it move you closer to that dream that you have if if even just yesterday when you look at your whole day yesterday and if you're not jotting down what your day if you're not journaling or in a calendar blocking out what your day looks like it's all going to be just be a fog yeah. Or, you know, just a vapor. So really do have blocks so you can see where you invested time. If if that's not invest, if, if you're looking at that and it's not really adding to your greatest impact or, or taking you to your Mount Everest, you need to have the courage to stop, courage to start, the courage to delegate and eliminate. Mm-hmm. I was telling Vani that there's a season in my late 20s where God had given me an opportunity to work for a biotech company in New York City. And I was trying to do it all. You know, the ministry as a volunteer, my corporate position, VP of a biotech company, uh, my home, a wife, soon to be mom, and still using my Saturdays just to even clean my home, a, home, a beautiful two-story home that God had given me. I had to finally just get to a place even with that where I had to delegate. I remember I met this beautiful woman. I delegated the cleaning of my home, and you feel so guilty as a Latina yeah. mom, a Latina woman, to do that. Um, she was honored too, and it was her bread and butter, and it gave me Saturdays back to rest, mm-hmm. to replenish, to think, because I had to get on a flight again Mondays to fly to New York. I was working, I was living in Pembroke Pines, but working in New York City. Right. So um, it, it, he he taught me that that was her greatest impact in that season. You know, we had a ten year relationship, friendship through that. And it freed me up then to be mm-hmm. in my greatest impact to, to be able to reach a summit. You know, to just mm-hmm. letting go of some backpacks is a beautiful thing. Yeah, and learning to ask for help. And learning to ask for help, going for that ask. Mm-hmm. You know, we talked about um, opportunities. Sometimes I, have, I lead a nonprofit called Tiara's Girls where we, have, we take 25 missionaries with us on every trip, international trip, from Haiti to Belize to Guatemala. They all pay for their way. Mm-hmm. They all... S- give towards the crowns that we buy and the dresses that we bring and and it's it is an honor to them if you're leading an organization you can create internships mm-hmm. where these young people they would want to be around you they want to grow they want to learn you know we're in the presence of one today she's here too mm-hmm. um, create internship opportunities where they're getting work experience why because in high schools they're getting a lot of trigonometry and and chemistries and all these core classes um you know all these equations that are not really going to be for life skills but if you create um, as as a nonprofit or even as an organization, you create internship opportunities for these young adults to be in the real corporate setting and nonprofit settings for them to grow around you. It's an you're building into their life. Mm-hmm. They're a Debbie, and you're able to delegate and empower. You're and you're on your way to your greatest impact. So mm-hmm. it's a win win for both sides. Yeah. And it's crazy because that even works in the home setting as well. It does because if you are a mm-hmm. 35, 40 year old older woman who is secure and has experience 
even just asking a younger girl to babysit, but then taking her on as a pseudo mother, being a safe space for her to speak yes. and share her heart, mm-hmm. you are giving her more than the mm-hmm. five, ten dollars an hour that right. that you're giving her to babysit. Right. So why be so afraid? Yeah. You know, why, why be so afraid to ask so that you can have a few Mm -hmm. moments of peace in the middle of, you know, we're, we're always home now. We're always home and and we're virtual learning and we're virtual working and we're doing all those things. And I'm sure that there are Mm -hmm. a lot of moms who are like, that's why they feel so unbalanced. And that's Mm -hmm. why they feel so out of control because they're just home doing a million and one things. And they've never maybe even thought of, let me ask my niece over, Mm -hmm. give her some ice cream, give her some pizza and Mm -hmm. say, watch these kids for Two hours. I did that on Sunday. Mm-hmm. On Sunday. And there are things that I, like, I, I'm always hesitant about, but I just gave in. And my little cousin, Billy Marie, is here. She's 16. And I said, please come over to my house so that I can take a nap. Mm-hmm. Like, I was there in the house with my kids, but I was not present. Right. You know, right. I needed a nap. So, yes. so I need to go upstairs. You need to fill your I'm cup. I'm going to take a nap. So you can pour out. Watch these kids. Yeah. And it was the best thing I did all week. I needed it. I would yeah. not have been able to take on my week. Mm-hmm. without that mm-hmm. we 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 need to have the courage we need to be braver as women mm-hmm. you know there's never i told i tell my 15 year old daughter in the season there's never been a better time on the planet to be a girl yes. to be a woman women today are allowed to vote women are allowed to sit in the senate in saudi arabia the women are allowed to drive today finally yes finally saudi arabia <laughs> um so many things that I read in one in one country out there in, in Asia, women are allowed not to have their name on the birth certificates of the babies that they deliver. Wow. Uh, women are allowed to be doctors today. Last year, Harvard reported that 49% of their graduates were finally women. Wow. So we have so much opportunity today. Are there glass ceilings? Yes, there are glass ceilings. But there's no better time on the planet to be braver with our calling, braver with who God has designed us to be. If you really look at who we are, he created us because that when he looked at man, something was missing. Something was missing. So he creates woman, and then he sealed creation. Hmm. We sealed creation. <laughs> oh, my goodness, when I think of that, how precious we are to God, to think that we seal creation, that we're the ones that bring life into the world, to think that today there's so much opportunity. We have to be braver. We have to walk into every boardroom or every classroom or every office or into our homes with our sword, you know, um, just speaking rhetorically mm-hmm. with that sword, even though I do have a sword from an antique store that I keep by my desk and I plan to bring to this year's Redoma. Um, yes. But we have to have the bravery today like never before. We owe that to our grandmothers. I don't know about you, but my grandmother wasn't allowed to go past a sixth grade because she was a girl. Her brothers were allowed to go to college. It doesn't make any sense to me. I wonder what her life would have been like in, the, in this, this time. Um, we have to have the grace, replace guilt with grace, we have to have the discipline because we will be 40 before we know it. Mm-hmm. So discipline, what, what do we need? The courage to stop, start, delegate, and eliminate. And then I was telling Vane that we have to be okay with the other F word that we don't talk about a lot. Mm-hmm. We, we shy away from this F word. You know, last, the last podcast it was forgiveness, but this and this podcast is we have to be okay with failure. Mm-hmm. Failure is necessary. Failure is part of growing. Yeah, it's a part of life. It's, it's, it's unavoidable. It is. It's, it's, yes, it's inevitable. Failure grows us if we take time. First of all, if we're not failing, I believe, I feel, we're not doing enough. We're not taking enough risks. We're, we're just not trying hard enough. Mm-hmm. We have to have a few failures under our belt. And 
um, failures, if, if you really take a moment to just think, you know, remember God designed us to think. We need some white space moments in there as we're having discipline and, and finding rest and replenishment. Have some white space moments where you're thinking. If you really think of the failures that you and I have endured, we can grow from them. We can mm-hmm. fail forward. How? Mm-hmm. It was an opportunity. If we acknowledge the failure, then we can heal from the failure. We cannot repeat the failure. We cannot heal from what we don't acknowledge. We need to acknowledge it. It happened. This is where I messed up. This is where I will never go again. So failure is part of growth. Failure is necessary. So I definitely wanted the girls to hear that other Mm -hmm. F word because we often shy away from it. Yeah, and it's necessary in the people that we mentor and in our children as well. Yes. Because sometimes yes. the reason why we don't delegate is because we're like, they're not going to do it right. They're going to fail. Right. right. Okay, well, they're going to learn. Yeah. Like, and sometimes we need to be gracious enough, have grace with ourselves mm-hmm. and have grace with others yes. enough to say, you know what? If they do this task wrong, if mm-hmm. they file all my papers in the way that I don't like, mm-hmm. then I'm going to have the courage to go ahead and tell them, hey, you didn't do it right. You're going to do it differently this time. Right. And they're going to grow from that experience. Right. Um, my mom used to say all the time, she used to say, Toma energia criar. Mm. She said, like, It takes energy to <laughs> yeah. raise. It takes energy to raise leaders and it takes energy to raise mm-hmm. children because mm-hmm. it is the easiest thing for you to do it all yourself. Yes. Because you're always going to do it the way that you like it the first time. Right. But it takes that extra energy mm-hmm. energy mm-hmm. to raise up other leaders and say, Listen, let's talk about it. Here in, in our organization, we have micro reviews every mm-hmm. two weeks. We talk about something that you did good and something that you did wrong. Mm-hmm. Even if they seem perfect, I figure mm-hmm. out something that they did quote unquote wrong mm-hmm. so that they can grow in that area. I love and it. sometimes it's tasks that I've delegated to them mm-hmm. or things that they're supposed to be running that I would do it a different way. I take that as a teaching opportunity to say listen this is how you know maybe you should do it in the future right but lily thank you so Mm -hmm. much for being with us on our second episode i could think of no one better to help us start this first season Mm -hmm. out with um and i did share you for the podcast but i'm not going to share you for life so i'm not gonna (laughs) i'm not gonna share lily's number or anything so you guys call her and take up all the time that she could be spending with me no i'm just kidding um but thank you thank you for everything you've done thank you for having my life and Mm -hmm. how you've mentored me and how you've helped me grow Mm -hmm. and like i said out there everyone you need to find yourselves your own lily not my lily but find yourself your (laughs) own lily and someone to mentor as well and i hope that this podcast has blessed you